Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm Christian Watson, and I'm here with uh, one of perhaps the most viral people that have ever gone to Mercer University, and perhaps one of the bravest girls I know, Madison Moore, who the vice president called uh, a week or so ago a lying dog-faced pony soldier because she asked a question about his uh, a very troubled candidacy uh, after it uh, ref- after it didn't do as well as the critics and political pundits thought it would do uh, during the Iowa caucuses. Um, so Madison, launch yourself to everyone. Okay. Um, well, my name is Madison Moore, and I go to Mercer University. And frankly, I think that's all I want to say because everybody else seems to know everything. So. All right. Awesome. Well, so. Just to give everyone background, if you've been living under a rock and you haven't seen this across the thousands of platforms and publications and news channels and comedy shows this has been published on, Madison went to New Hampshire for a class, for a class that we're, we are both in, and um, she had a chance to ask the vice president a question about his candidacy, uh, because prior the, the, the election prior um, to the uh, New Hampshire primaries uh, was the Iowa caucuses, and Biden came in fourth place. Now, before that time, Biden was considered the presumptive frontrunner. And most people were shocked. Well, most people who weren't on the ground in Iowa were shocked that he came in fourth place. And so Madison basically just asked, well, Mr. Vice President, since you came in first place, you know, uh, why should folks think you should be able to win the national election against Donald Trump? And he called her that very weird phrase. And so the reaction to this has been rather interesting and I'll let Madison talk more about it but just like tell me Madison how are you feeling about all this I'm I'm feeling very self-assured um, it, it was a really strange experience and frankly the fear of being canceled has subsided thankfully but it has been a roller coaster of emotions undoubtedly I've gone from shaking for hours in fear of how the media would interpret this and wondering if my life was done for because as we all know cancel culture is a very real thing Mm -hmm. and the vice president had just called me a liar on Mm -hmm. national tv right i i got pretty nervous Mm -hmm. um but then you know there there were different emotions too um when i saw that the Daily Wire had written an article about me, and mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro had mentioned me. Mm-hmm. I curled up in a ball and I started crying. I was so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I have been listening to and reading Ben Shapiro since I was in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So wow. it was such a surreal experience that one of my wow. heroes had had mentioned me. I was just so awestruck. But um, overall, it has um, been, I would say, a net positive experience in that I'm very grateful um, that the media, for the most part, seems to have taken my side. And, you know, I was talking to a lady in the airport about it, and she said, well, there's definitely a few mean articles out there. You don't, don't let them bully you. Right. And I couldn't help but say, you know, if I can take it from the vice president, I can take it from them. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. That's the phenomenal spirit and attitude to have about the situation. Thank you. Absolutely. So I must ask, and feel free to disregard this or whatever, but what has the, if any, negative reaction been? Uh, um, for the most part, it's just 
people judging me for caving in my nervousness. Um, I, I have been very honest with the media and everyone else that I haven't been to a caucus. I just got nervous. Uh, when he started coming back towards me and saying, I was a caucus. Have you ever been to a caucus? <laughs> I perceived it as an adversarial tone. Right. And I just got nervous and I nodded yes. Right. And so I, I feel like, generally speaking, most people that are nobodies like me would have had pretty much the same response. Mm. If not, uh, kudos on them. Um, but I got nervous and I caved in the moment. And I don't think that's such a big deal that some right. people are making it out to be. Um, but, and then of course he continued with the line. And in that moment, I hadn't even absorbed that he called me a dog face pony soldier. Yeah. I just heard him say, you're a liar. You need to be honest. And then people around me started laughing and it was humiliating. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, and I, uh, I read, I read, uh, um, Dr. Grant made a, 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 a statement to the telegraph and he even said, yeah, I didn't even hear the dog face pony sort of thing at first. I suppose that that, that that part really didn't like get noticed until afterwards. But being called a liar by the former vice president, that is a harsh thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, especially for a budding, intelligent college student like yourself who is trying to seek, to seek knowledge about the political process, to have someone who has been in the Senate since before my, my mother was even born, <laughs> you know, you know call, you know, say that about you. No, yeah. Just demonstrates a severe lack of tact and insensitivity towards the people he wants to represent. No, you're absolutely right. And and I guess the most ironic thing about this whole experience is I didn't even want to go to the Biden town hall in the first place. Right. I told my professor, I was like, Can I just sleep in, yeah. please? <laughs> and he was like he was like, you know, we're not here to reinforce your beliefs. We're here to get you to learn. And I said, Okay, fair enough, I'll go. But frankly, this has been something I've been thinking yeah. since the Iowa results came out. I'm happy you did go. Thank you. Because I think that you posed a very important question that a lot of folks were thinking, but not many folks had the guts so to ask. And that's very that's very important. Uh, so you've you so t walk us through the immediate aftermath of you saying that. Like after you after he had answered your question and you had gotten off the camera, what happened? Well, he continued answering questions for a while and eventually concluded um, getting pictures with people and things of that nature. And then a huge camera crew and a bunch of microphones just swarmed me. Mm -hmm. And I'm very lucky that they um, didn't take a ton of that interview because I, I was babbling I was babbling. I was so nervous and confused and scared Most would, about most would, what was yeah. going on because I had, and I'm not sure why, but I had just initially presumed they were taking his side yeah. against me and coming to huh, put the nail in the coffin of the liar. <laughs> so initially I was really scared. Um, but the further I got away from what happened, the further I re the more I realized um, that he was acting just in a very unnecessary way. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, I started getting emails and most of them weren't about my overdue library books. 
So, <laughs> I wish I could relate. <laughs> so, um, you yeah, know, no, it's sure. just, it, it was pretty bizarre. It was pretty bizarre. And, um, and as I've mentioned wow. to you, um, I just got back from the tattoo parlor and, um, at the top center of my back, it says warning. I took out Joe Biden. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, I think, I mean, I, I saw an article in the Guardian that basically said his response to you killed his campaign chances. And I, I think I think his campaign uh, was already indeed on life support, but that was kind of like the plug that was that was pulled. Absolutely. And that's that's what I said on my interview. You know, yeah. I, his, his campaign was already on life support. I just happened to be the person who unintentionally pulled yeah, the plug. Exactly. And frankly, it's kind of interesting because there are a lot of conversations happening about how much sexism there is in America. And I would never be one to deny that reality. Mm -hmm. That being said, this isn't the first time he's done something like this. He literally called another college student a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Mm -hmm. He's he's been insulting and bullying people on the campaign all along the way. It's just, so far they've all been men. So far they've all been men. And so... You know, obviously, I'm a woman, and more than that, the footage makes me look like I'm 12. <laughs> I mean, I, you can't deny the chubby cheeks, and like I said, I wasn't wearing makeup. So, I think, I think just the demographic and the bullying yeah. just kind of juxtaposed, created this perfect storm. Absolutely, absolutely. There's this idea... But Biden has a very hard time relating to younger folks, and I think uh, I think if there were ever any proof to that, I think his response to you might have been that proof, and that might have been the proof a lot of folks were waiting for to uh, decide if he was going to be a viable candidate or not going forward. And you know, the youth are indeed driving this election. Bernie Sanders he is cap- capturing a majority of the of the <laughs> of, of of the college uh, young, young college age vote eighteen. And so 18 to 21, 18 to 22. And um, they are really the ones that the Democratic Party, party, the activists with the Democratic Party are trying to cover. And one of the things about Biden is that he just hasn't been able to do that. Like when I went to Iowa, because we're, we went to, like I went to Iowa for the caucuses in the same class, um, we, we went to a, a, a Biden rally. And every single person there, was was either gray-haired or middle-aged, I promise you. And the only people who were not were the journalists who were, who were sent there to cover it. And so I, I immediately remarked, I remarked, I said, you know, this is this is something else. This is this is not the future. This is this the and, and nothing wrong with I'm not I'm not an ageist. I think that age is something that we were all experienced, but when when your appeal is so narrow, no matter what category it is, when it's so narrow to a particular demographic, I think that's that's somewhat of a problem. No, yeah. no, you're right. That absolutely cripples you, and I can tell you firsthand, when I was at that event, yeah. the vast majority of people there were had were much, much older than I was. Right. And um, it's, it's definitely interesting to see. And, you know, I think there's a particular tragedy in this situation because there's nothing wrong with getting old. Right, there there's is not. There's nothing criminal about... I mean, to be blunt, losing your marbles. It kind of happens. And, and, if I, and if I'm lucky, one day I'm going to be losing my marbles too, yeah. you know? 
And so it's just really sad that (laughs) nobody, I mean, maybe someone did tell them this, but nobody cared about him enough to to guard him from the public eye and let him age in retirement, dignity, and privacy. Because guess what? When you run for the presidency, you're entitled to none of those things. Precisely. So to me, it's kind of sad. Precisely, yeah. And, I mean, so Biden's surrogate at that event that we went to, John Kerry, former Secretary of State, presidential candidate back in 2004, who no one in our generation knows because John Kerry has not done anything consequential since we've been four years old, um, just being honest. Um, he uh, he was caught saying by the media, yeah, if Biden doesn't work out, I might get in the race myself. Now, this was the guy who was going up to speak for Biden and endorse him, and he immediately denied, oh, no, I'm not going to run. But at the event, he was taking pictures, he was shaking hands, he was acting like a candidate. And so... It, it seems to me that some within the Democratic Party, even people who support Biden, um, have a crisis of confidence. And I think that is unraveling. And essentially, if he doesn't do well in South Carolina or and or Nevada, it's going to be very hard to make the case for Biden to be the Democratic nominee. Um, right. And so but back to the situation. When, so after the camera crews that came up and everything, what was like how did the like professors respond to the situation Eesh. um <laughs> you don't have to answer if you don't want to so yeah i definitely in terms of the people in my close circles yes and the people that were there with me yes i prefer not to answer questions okay. about those dynamics okay simply because that's fine that's fine i prefer not to okay that's fine (laughs) but thank you for that question it's a valid question okay later on it was yeah they came around me and supported me a lot good Good. they that's what matters um they said we are here for you do you want to do interviews we will take you good if you want to get on a plane and go home we will take you you Good. do what you need to do. Good. If you need to stay home and sleep all day, you can do that. So I I was very fortunate Good. to have been surrounded by professors who wanted to protect me and Good. make sure I was okay. Good. I, I'm, that's, that's all that matters. Um, what are some of the most surprising interviews you did? Like, actually, who all did you interview with in the first? Because you've been everywhere. Like, I've seen you everywhere so like who all did you interview with well it depends on how you define interview if it's who all did you talk to exactly oh my gosh i don't even know um (laughs) some of the people that came up to me i i don't know who they were with um the nicest one and the one i liked the most was cleve woods woodston Mm -hmm. maybe i don't know he wrote the article on the washington post yeah and i got his card and yeah he was just really kind to me and you know, it was like, make sure you reach out to your family. Like, this will be fine. It'll blow over. And um, just gave me good advice. I was really appreciative good. of him. Good. Um, yeah. But, no, I interviewed with Inside Edition. Wow. I interviewed with Fox, obviously. Wow. Um, and I, yeah. talk, I talked to more people than I know, which, and I think, I think, I don't know. Yeah. That the Biden campaign runners came up to me afterwards yeah because there were three individuals and i don't know their names and i 
And right. like I said, I can't say definitively because I didn't yeah. see a name tag. Right. But they came up to me and they were like, was that a joke? Did you think it was funny? Did you take it as a joke? Wow. wow. And I was like, no. I didn't wow. think it was funny at all. And it wasn't a joke. Like, nobody follows up a joke with, you need to be honest. Like, boom ching No. No. Right. Goodness So, um, I assume that was them, but I don't know. Right. I don't know. Because obviously that was sort of the... Um, method that they used to downplay the situation was saying that it was a joke, it was meant to be funny, it was taken out of context, and it wasn't. You can see it on camera. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, wow. So, <laughs> I guess, what if, let's talk about the value of this. What have you, if anything, what, what, okay, let me ask you a few questions. If you would have known that going to New Hampshire and going to an event that you frankly didn't want to go to, that I frankly wouldn't want to go to either. <laughs> and I didn't want to go to one in Iowa. I definitely didn't want to go there. No, I <laughs> get know, it. it. Going to those, that event, if you would have known that that would have literally changed your life or had a big effect on your trajectory in life, what do you think you would have thought or thought to do or what? If you knew what you knew now a day or so ago before that happened, how do you think it would have impacted your thinking? Um, well, as I've told the media, I would have worn makeup. Um, but frankly, I, looking back, I'm glad my appearance was very frumpy. A lot of America knows my name right now, and they've seen my face, and they know where I go to school. Yeah. And any unwanted sexual attention could have been really dangerous for me. Yep. Yep. Um, so I'm grateful that the only version of me they've seen is frumpy lying dog face pony soldier <laughs> um yeah. so so looking back i am grateful for that um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah i i don't know there's just really no way to predict these things right you know right and so this idea like you know if you if you had known how would you have done it differently i have no idea i can only hypothesize but um it had been something i was thinking for a long time and for some reason in the week in the week leading up to this event i had been on this really bizarre research kick okay where i had been staying up till like 3 and 4 in the morning watching yeah. political videos about yang wow. about the campaign yeah. about everything that was going on and so i don't know it it was all very strange in the timing and it kind of felt like wow. it was almost meant to happen. But I do want to say one thing. Yeah. I don't know why I was given this 15 minutes of fame, but for some reason I got it. And if even one person heard this and read The Depression Cure by Stephen Illardi and it made a difference for them, it would be all worth it to me. That book changed my life, and I think it could do so much good for so many people, and I have no idea why it isn't on the front page of every newspaper in America in a generation where people are expected to live a shorter period of time than every generation before them for a good deal of decades because of depression, suicide, and drug overdose. Mm -hmm. This book changed my life, and I hope someone will hear this and go read it absolutely absolutely that's a very 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 good advice thanks probably one of the best book recommendations i've heard for a while thanks. um so has this has this event 
you know, you were surrounded by cameras and journalists and media. Has this event, you know, inspired you? Not to say definitively, of course. Has it inspired you to seek a career in media or journalism or something that along that, those lines? I don't know. Um, it's definitely been appealing and really interesting to yeah. engage with the media. Yeah. And to sort of look at the nuanced dynamics yeah. that play out. Because there's been a lot of discussion about how the different media outlets have termed their titles, even with mostly the same content, right? right? Some of them are saying, Biden jokingly calls voter lying dog face pony soldier. Right. And then some of them are saying, humiliated 21-year-old girl says Biden insulted her. Yep. You know, and so it's, it's really interesting yeah. how terminology plays such a role in how we perceive Absolutely. these issues. Absolutely. And um, and moreover, it's interesting that some of the less important details have simply just fallen through the cracks. You know, the reality was whether I'd been to a caucus or not was irrelevant. Right. So it was really interesting to see how most of the m media outlets dropped that detail immediately because yeah. it just didn't matter. And so... It, it definitely has given me the perspective that any story that I read about has many more details than I could be aware of. Yeah. And so that, that isn't always necessarily an agenda. Sometimes it's just evaluating a situation, taking what's important, and putting it forward for someone to read. Right. So that, that has definitely been an eye-opening experience. I don't know if I want to go into media. Frankly, I don't know what I want to do at all. Right. I just want to do something contributing to helping people, mm -hmm. to, towards something good, Absolutely. Hopefully. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that it's really important for all of us, uh, especially those of us who are interested in the, the, main, the maintenance of, of, of government and society and things of that sort, to understand how we are, how our perceptions are influenced by the major outlets that, you know, give us our information. Right. You know, because like, I'm happy the video exists because folks can just go and look at it themselves, make their own conclusions. But you know, this was back in the '70s or the '80s when we really didn't have readily readily access accessible, you know, internet and things of that sort. One major publication or two major publications could have made an uh, could have made an assertion, and that would have been what the story was. But you've kind of see you, and I think you kind of see this. You kind of see the gatekeepers trying to hold on to the little bit of influence they still have, but the internet has kind of just completely. Um, supplanted, I suppose, um, the the control that one person or one outlet has over the narrative. No, absolutely. And I think a big component, or at least somewhat of a component of why this has gone viral, yeah. is that it was so weird. It was. Everybody was like, yeah. what? I remember reading a tweet from speaker, former Speaker and President of Canada, Newt Gingrich. Yes, and he, I read and, he, that. and he was like, what weird is a dog? getting Yeah, weirder. he's like, what is a dog face pony? <laughs> and he's from the 60s himself, so he was like, he didn't even know. He didn't <laughs> yeah. even know. No, right. no. Right. It was just like, it was so weird. And I have to say, Stephen Colbert right. and Trevor Noah got me through this. Very interesting skits. They got me through this. Yeah. I was... I was laughing so hard. I was waking up the girls in the hotel with me. <laughs> they probably were really annoyed with me. But yeah. I was so thankful for that, that people were just kind of poking fun at it. Because yeah. it really seems that, a, you know, you may be left, you may be right, but we can all have a good laugh at Joe right. Biden. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And so I suppose 
I suppose we'll wrap up in a little bit, but it's just this entire thing is just so fascinating because I just, I mean, this, I, and I think that, 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 that this, this entire, like, no, no one, so like no one could have expected this at all. When, when I went to Iowa, me and my team, we basically just went to the snow, we campaigned, went through a few rallies, got a few pictures, a few of the student photographers got their pictures published in some nice publications, but that was, that was it. And so I, I bet that no one who had any idea about this class and the influence over the class knew this was going to happen. And so I hope that – my hope is that going forward, this will enable the, univer the university and the administration to put more funding and more and devote more resources into this class so that more folks can have an opportunity to be up close and personal with the political process. Because the political process is, is incredibly different and distinctive than when you're sitting at home watching on your computer or watching it on TV than when you're right there with the person who wants to be your your president or whatever. Right. No, and that was an amazing component of it too because it definitely humanized him for right. me. Right. But yes, me too. Me too. Not, yeah. not particularly in the best way possible. Yeah. Being there, I was feet away from him. He yes. handed me the microphone and he looked frail. Yes. He looked frail. Yes. And beyond <laughs> yes. listening to him when he started speaking, as I mentioned to Fox, you know, he's talking about deaths and cancer, yep. and people losing their jobs. And frankly, I find it a little bit hard to believe that people in America find Joe Biden to be their personal confidant for all their problems. Yeah, m most don't. But beyond, that, <laughs> yeah. but beyond that, frankly, he just wasn't solution-oriented. Yeah. He just kept kind of being like, oh, my gosh, we're all going to die. Here we are. Right. You know? Right. So it was just... He's just kind of a downer. Yeah, voters like optimism. Voters like that's why I think that's why Pete is doing well, and and to a certain thing, I think that's why Stan Sanders is doing well because when you like him or hate him, they are both very optimistic candidates. They are both talking about and what 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 they conceive as moving forward into the future. You know, achieving things that have not yet been achieved, breaking barriers, things like that. Voters like that, right? That, that's why, that's why Barack Obama won in two thousand eight, and and if Joe Biden had been on top of that, he wouldn't. He probably would have had a hard time winning. Right, because he, because like, a part of that optimism comes charisma, and I think that as age has taken him on, Biden has kind of lost his charismatic edge, if he ever really had one, and so I mean, it's just, it's interesting, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, would you like to close with anything? Sure. Any, yeah. Any sure. Thoughts? This has been on my mind pretty heavily, but I just want to say that for, for all those Americans that are feeling like we're in a really dire time mm -hmm. and that things are going south and continue to go south, I don't want to invalidate what you're saying. Mm -hmm. However, we live in a country where a 5-1 college student can call out the vice president without fear of retribution. Right. That's a pretty amazing thing. Isn't it? That's... That's pretty mind-boggling. So it's definitely given me hope in that free speech is so much stronger than I had perceived. Yeah. And, you know, kind of taking responsibility for my own words yes. and for my own thoughts has been a really liberating experience in all of this. And I'm I'm very excited for the future, and I'm very hopeful. And... um Joe Biden won't be getting my vote. And I'll close. Emerson said, 
in Self-Reliance, one of my favorite essays ever, that the only thing that which is sacred is, is the sanctity of, a, of, of an individual's mind. And so by simply stating what was on your mind and letting that sacredness, that sanctity come out and meet the, the mind of a presidential candidate and be graced by the ears of the world, you have unlocked something that is quite special and that is quite revealing of of both I think the greatness of America and, 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 and the and and the the freedom that our institutions preserve for us and the grace and the humility and the kindness of a lot of folks in America, I think who are often demonized, i.e. the media. And mm-hmm. so if I could say anything, I'd just like to thank you for that. Thank you for asking the question. Thanks. Thank you. And so I think I think we'll end it there, people. This is a very fascinating interview. Um, it's it's a very interesting time to be alive in, in America. So, without further ado, I hope you guys have a very nice day and stay stay tuned for the next episode. We'll be interviewing Michael Marino, who himself causes his own waves in the debate community over at Utah, uh, entirely through Kenner Forums. But we'll be interviewing him. And so, until next time, peace out.